You are now listening to Out of the Blank. Welcome to another episode out of the blank podcast. I have a, I have, I've been studying before you came on the show. You know what I've been studying? What? What are you been studying, Robbie? Airplane disasters. Oh goodness me, that's a bit morbid. Okay, there's a great show, and I know it's a horrible topic, but it makes fun of the topic. And I don't know if you're. This might be a reason I'm going to hell. I have no clue, but if this, this is probably going to be on the board of the list that that when I get to the whatever. So, it's called disastrous airways. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen this, but it's on the History Channel, so that's informational. It's an interesting topic, but it tells you about all these horrible airplane accidents, and they're so fascinating to me, not on how it happened, but like how they go through this C- or CSI-type scenario where they try and figure out the cause of it. And it's like, man, you realize, you really don't realize like all, like all the working parts of a machine until they really examine it out in front of you. Is this Air Crash Investigators? Is it, that, is it that same show where they go into famous crashes and they, they take you through the science of why it went down, what the yeah. pilots might have done wrong? There's nine seasons. And I'm like, bro, this show's been on for like 10 years. <laughs> yeah, that, it's a good show. Um, and there's no shortage of, unfortunately, airplane disasters. And currently in Europe, we're reeling from a, a state-sponsored hijacking. Uh, I don't know if this has um, come to your attention in the States. State-sponsored? Yeah, we that basically um, like a dude I, robbed a plane and he was holding up like this is the company that sponsors me free advertisement. Is that what you mean? <laughs> no, more sinister than that. Actually, there's <laughs> there's, a, there's a, Europe's leading budget air carrier is Ryanair, which is an Irish uh, Irish registered air carrier, and uh, there was a flight taking off. I think it was going from Greece to Lithuania, and it was flying over the airspace of Belarus. And Belarus is a, a sort of rogue regime. People call it Europe's last dictatorship. Uh, and the uh, Belarusians put in a fake bomb alert so that the plane would have to divert to their capital, Minsk. And the reason they did that was because they wanted to arrest the guy who is a blogger. He's an opposition activist. He's a, like politically outspoken. They arrested him and his wife. So they called in a fake bomb scare, basically a sort of, I want to say state-sponsored, like government-orchestrated hijacking of a, of a commercial airliner. It's, it's outrageous, basically. Does that happen a lot? I, I, to my knowledge, this is one of the first examples where they deliberately and on false pretenses diverted a flight so they could go on and arrest somebody who, who's an opposition activist. It's, it's outrageous. And it's, um, yeah, I mean, there's plenty of examples of hijacking, uh, you know, for, for you know, crooks, that kind of stuff. But, you know, for, for it to be orchestrated by government, very, very sinister. There was, um, I think, about maybe a month back, uh, there was a Denver airplane where the engine fell off and hit somebody's house. And it was like all these people didn't know they were able to safely land. Thank God nobody was hurt. But it's like, man, you really don't realize how sensitive of a thing that is. They say it's safer than driving in your car. But I don't know, man. I haven't flown in a long time. I never really liked the experiences of going there. Like we said last time you were on, you know, a little bit of the airplane service, I would say. It became a little bit shit, um, just food-wise and just certain necessities now it's even harder have you seen what they have to do with covid where they're spraying down every single seat and they have to i see it doesn't look very, yeah it doesn't look very pleasant actually on the topic of airline food will you allow me a shameless book plug yeah 
my my book, Food and Aviation in the 20th Century, is the, the paperback edition, which Gotta is a lot, cheap, a lot cheaper than the hardback. It's, got, it's been brought forward for a release because, due to popular demand. Perhaps some of that popular demand stoked by this eminent podcast. Zeus Airlines. That's what did it. Perhaps that was the key. But anyway, the publishers brought it, brought, brought it forward. So I'm delighted with that. That's coming out in October in paperback. A lot, a lot more affordable. The hardback was really expensive. Are you doing a sequel to it? Or are you going to write something else? Um, I'm, I'm currently, I've got a book on uh, something a little bit different. It's the food theme, but it's feeding, um, feeding people in wartime Britain and how people were fed during the war. But actually, do you know where I should be on the topic of food and food history research? Right now, I should be, if it wasn't for this ghastly pandemic, I would be in Philadelphia. I'd be at a place called, the, you might have heard of it, called the uh, Mutter Museum. It's part of the College of Physicians of Philadelphia. And I was going to do some research there, but I can't. And that's where I should be right now. But it's uh, it's an amazing museum because it's, it's, it's basically a museum of medical history. And it's got like everything there. It's got Einstein's brain. It's got... Um, Two of the most famous conjoined, the skeletons of two of the most famous conjoined twins, Siamese twins in history. It's got various tumors cut out of very famous people, including former President Grover Cleveland. It, it's a bit, it's weird and wacky and, and wonderful. Um, is it Einstein's brain? It's not, I have to say as well, if anyone's going to go there, not the kind of place you go with a hangover. I went, when I went last year, I had a hangover. And, uh, you know, when you, you don't really want to be looking at tumors and brains, and and fetuses when you when you're feeling a little delicate yeah. but yeah they've got eyes they've got Einstein's brain now yeah. is that legal i don't know how they acquired it um probably paid, paid loads of money um, well, don't put organ donor on your freaking license that's what it is <laughs> but it's it's in several pieces which you, you can view yeah it's a great place See, you're more interested in like the a lot of these stories when it comes to older type food things i'm more interested in the fact of when it why, why is our system so fucked up now? And I think I say that because I am a fitness guy. I've always been a fitness guy. At least I've gone and worked out every day for nine years, but I've studied nutrition extensively. And you start to realize that the system is a little bit messed up and it's all started from a lie. It all started from the sugar industry that we're paying off giant corporations to falsify medical tests, to examine that fat was bad for you. You know, that was always the thing back in the day was you eat fat, you're going to get fat. And it wasn't even for a lot of money. It was for $50,000. That's nothing today. I, there are people that wipe their ass with $50,000. And you realize our whole entire system is now completely ass backwards. Things that are supposed to be healthy for you are super expensive. The whole entire public still checks their calories and they check for carb content and they check for fat content rather than checking about the amount of processed sugars and artificial flavorings that should be focused on. Rat, like, oh, whoo, here we go. Here's a rant. So our whole entire world today, as much as advanced as it is, nutrition-wise is complete dog shit. And the reason why I say that is because all these artificial preservatives, there are people like me in their 20s that are suffering from, like myself, gastrointestinal diseases, certain other types of things that are affecting their intestines where their body stops processing things properly at the age of like 30. And that's an issue. And that's all from a world and upon generations upon generations of just constantly learning and eating the wrong shit because what's wrong is cheap and what's right is expensive.
Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. You know, the, like you said, the 34 years ago, the big public health panic was heart disease. So, so all the emphasis that you say was on, you know, cut down your fat consumption, all the rest. And that opened the door, like you say, to the sugar industry, to other protest, processed substitute foods that actually aren't very good for you, like margarine, which everyone suddenly went for in a big way instead of butter. And yeah, we, you know, we, the consumption, especially in Britain and America, is super processed foods. And the thing is, it links to a lot of these public health outcomes as well. So you look at the, you know, the COVID crisis, look at mortality due to COVID. God, this is a depressing topic. Again, you can come up with a depressing one here. But it's, it's, it's linked to diet, isn't it? It's linked to, you know, if you have diabetes, if you are overweight, if you're obese because you're eating so much processed food, then you're going to be more likely to die of COVID. And that then has public health implications. So, yeah, I just wish that, you know, there was a bit more joined up thinking by governments on addressing super processed sugary foods, sugary drinks. You know, there, there are certain things like in this country we have big taxes on, on very sugary drinks, that kind of thing. I don't know, is that the right way to go? But there needs to be, you know, an addressing of this super processed food issue because absolutely the health outcomes are grim. All you're going to do if you increase the tax on only sugary drinks and non-sugary drinks is you're going to have people losing more money on the fact that they're going to buy the sugary drinks because that's what we've consumed into our brain and brainwashed it to be good. You know, it's interesting because I've gotten heavily interested into nutrition for a while, at least the probably around my third year of working out, I started figuring out like, all right, you got to be able to eat like right too. And what's the good stuff to eat is never really the stuff you want to be eating. But a few podcasts come to mind when I think of this one, I listened to a four hour podcast where a scientist who was a meat eater, who was writing studies on meat and cancer cells. And then another scientist or just a observer that had studied so much about it was a vegan. And they were trying to see which diet was the best. And throughout the podcast, you're kind of seeing this vegan guy act very, very irrational, um, more on the aspect of not not that he was vegan. It's just that's what the side he was fighting. But he would not let the other person finish talking. He would cut them off and then play like a moral ethic kind of side to it. And it's like, look, nobody's going to side with you if you're going to be this kind of abrupt person. But then he pointed out something to me around two and a half hours into the podcast that really swayed my thoughts on everything was the way that this study, this scientific researcher who had all these degrees behind him, was writing these certain studies. There was a study, a percentage that said, does cancer or does meat cause cancer? 70 or no, it was at 50 or 18 percent of people that ate meat saw no effect from there was no correlation with cancer cells and 70% were unaffected. Then it said 12% were, were affected. So then you look at those numbers and the way he added it up went, he used the 18 and the 70% and he goes now 88% of the people either experience no or no correlation with meat causing cancer cells. And then the guy just goes, why are you adding those percentages up? And the guy goes, what? And he goes, examine what he just, what he wrote. 70% were unaffected, 18% experienced nothing. He's now adding those totals together saying that it doesn't cause cancer. He's now swaying it because he has a bias towards meat. And then it all kind of opened up. Why are you adding those percentages? And you realize no matter if you're a vegan, no matter if you're a meat eater, I don't give a shit. Your body's different depending on who you are as a person. But we can't get the answers to what's right because the industry is so fucked because it's all about that money. It's all about who's got to be right. It's a game now. It's all about winning and losing, just like the court systems. And I'm like, you are literally hurting your own nation, causing people to die of severe health risk because now you're brainwashing them and they think they're eating right, but they're not. 
it's 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 so ass backwards i think what we should what, what we all should do i mean there's also for the sake of the planet okay again i don't want to come across as a sort of vegan propagandist here personally i'm, I'm a meat eater but i'm a what's i think called a flexitarian so i, I tend to not eat meat i maybe eat meat maybe one at most two days a week so mostly i try and eat plant-based stuff and I see in the supermarkets here, it's probably the same in the States. People are a lot more conscious now about their gut health. So there's this movement towards consuming more plant-based foods. But we come back to the issue of processed foods. I go to the supermarket now. There's all number of like plant-based substitute foods that, you know, that, that are pretending to be chicken or beef or whatever. Fine. All well and good. But they themselves are actually processed. So just reverting to plant-based diet doesn't get around the, the bigger issue which you raised earlier, which is the processing of food and, and the industrial production of food. And that's where, you know, the problem lies in terms of our consumption, really. You ever see the movie Snowpiercer? I have. that. That's great, actually. It's the train that's going around the world. Yes. So that's what it's going to eventually be like, is that, uh, that that McDonald's cheeseburger you're eating is not going to be a cloned cow. It's going to be a blob that they spray paint with a type of flavoring, and it's going to just be you're eating shit. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, I was going to say that the actual stuff that they're feeding the people in the cockroaches, carriages, they, they find out that it's, it's poo. It's, it's bugs. It's grounded up cockroaches and stuff like that fixed into this thing of jello. They think it's like a jello paste and it's all cockroach meat. I'm like, eventually it's going to be like meat's going to be a high class type thing. Regular good food is going to be a high class wealth thing. Eventually the poor are going to be eating these artificial stuffs. And that even with fruit, for instance, I remember I did a study in, um, school was a research study about gmos and you find out that a lot of the things that are organic are covered in gmos there's an apple at my local grocery store that's a two and a half pound apple it's oh, yeah. huge as shit it, but yeah that's like bull testosterone in that there's there's you got to understand that even if you're trying to eat healthy you still got to look there because there's all these artificial things people look at the calorie content rather than checking what is inside of it? What is this red dye number one? Why is it? Why does this apple have all these preservatives in it? If it's an apple, it doesn't make any sense. It's very hard. You know, people will pay more for organic produce, but like you say, that organic apple is still being sprayed like seven, eight, nine times at different stages of its production with different chemicals. It's incredibly hard to try and avoid, you know, chemically processed food. It's an incredibly hard thing to do. All I would say is I think it reinforces the importance of the local. You know. Like we live in a world of like global production and, you know, like I'm just looking at my little props here from an avocado, you know, that's been flown over presumably from Peru or somewhere like that and put in a warehouse at incredibly high temperatures to keep it, you know, ripe and all this kind of stuff. When actually we should be probably eating local food. When I do eat meat, I'm, I'm by the way, sometimes I eat really badly. Sometimes, uh, you know, I, my diet is not too good, but I try to keep on eating here. And when I eat meat, this is the critical thing. Now, I don't know if this is a great idea or not, but I think, if stuff is locally produced, often it's better because it hasn't gone through so many different hands and so many different processes. So when I do eat meat, probably one day a week, I go to this local butcher and this guy, I know it's slaughtered, it's raised free range and slaughtered within 30 mile radius. Again, not completely perfect, but at least I know that it's fairly local, fairly well sourced and sort of ethically slaughtered rather than, you know, the stuff that you're eating, you know, that's not locally sourced, especially when it comes to meat. My goodness, you know, and I used to work in a meat factory when I was trying to pay my way through college. And believe you me, it, it would turn your stomach. So I've been saying this probably for a while now, whenever this topic gets brought up, I think that there needs to be things in place that you should have to do before you're able to consume the things that you consume. 
the weird part is people aren't going to care what they consume if they're not a health nut or if they're not trying to get their life into a healthier state because of the all in the aspect of time. Time is a very, very precious thing. And it's something that a lot of people don't really have, because if you look at it, how much of the food in your refrigerator, can you check and understand that all of that is not expired? There are so many people that just open up the fridge, grab a meal, they fill it up, but they never check the expiration date. I know someone that I live with that is constantly throwing out food. They buy way too much. And I'm like, do you, do you not buy what you need? Do you not know what this is? Well, I want to make sure I have enough, but yeah, yeah. But it's been in the fridge for months. You think it's good. It's not good. It's going to be bad because people can't. They, they don't have the time. They got to work. They got other things in their mind rather than eating. And it's crazy because um, I'm going to talk about the other podcast now. So Dr. Mark Gordon, he's an extreme nutritionalist and stuff like that. And he starts explaining how that you can find with the inflammatory system is linked with depression. When I offer you right now, Bryce, if I offer you a plate of 12 beautiful glazed donuts, it sounds amazing. But then after you eat them, do you feel good? Do you feel good after 12 glazed donuts? I probably get a you probably get a sugar rush initially. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. You crash then though. You, then you're gonna crash. Yeah. So but afterwards you start to feel like shit because they're starting to realize that all this like gluten, all this stuff that people talk about, these things that people talk about is bad for you, but don't really understand the meaning of it. It, it, it messes with your inflammatory system, which makes you want to take like a nap after a pasta dinner. Well, that causes depression. And when you're not happy with yourself, you're not happy to people around you, you take your anger out on people around you. So it's all linked into this thing where people are feeling miserable about themselves. When you get healthier, you feel better. You feel cleaner. You feel like you have more energy. You're not sweating spicy nacho Doritos out of your skin. You're sweating regular pure sweat like water and all these other types of things that are supposed to be happening to your body. Your body starts hitting in this rhythm and this hum that works a lot better. But like I said, a, a system that you, were, that you just said about working at a meat factory, I believe there's a certain thing you need to do. I went to a chicken factory when I was a kid. I eat chicken and I know where it comes from. I know how the process is. Do I want it to be done better? Yes. But I also know to make sure that I do not cook more than I need to consume. I have tested my body. I've done an experiment on it. I tried to figure out how much food do I actually need? I need a lot less than you think you do. I can survive off a can of tuna a day. Not everybody can do that. But your body actually needs a lot less than you put on your plate. But people see something on their plate and they consider that this is the objective. And the only way to complete the objective is when it's all gone. And that's you, when you it becomes wasteful. Yeah, you mentioned this before, and uh, but I'm intrigued by this because you, like, when you say a can of tuna, do you literally mean, and I think you've this up before, that you would just survive off eating a can of tuna? Then. So what I do is I take a little bit of lettuce, I put it in a bowl, and I take one fourth of that can of tuna and I put it onto my thing. And then four hours later, I'll be hungry again. And I'll eat another one. I'll eat another one fourth and do that over and over. Like I haven't eaten in 16 hours since we're recording this podcast. So it sucks that we're talking about food, but whatever. Um, but it, it also comes from a factor of like, you know, it, I have some digestive issues going on. So when I'm my stomach's in pain like that, my body doesn't really care, doesn't prioritize hunger anymore. I'm able to function. I'm able to move. I think a lot of people, they sit around in their homes on their days off and take these relaxation days and you get hungrier faster. When I have my day off, like today, I sit and I just think like, if I'm not doing anything, if I'm not moving outside, if I'm just sleeping all day or something, you start wondering, well, I'm hungry. Are you really hungry though? Because once you start moving, you're not hungry anymore. Mm. 
Did, did I lose well, you? Yeah, but it, I think it all depends as well on how much physical exercise you do. So presumably, uh, do you have me? Yeah, I got you. Pres- presumably, if you're doing a lot of physical exercise, you're you're going to need you're going to need to to do up your intake of, of things like carbs because you need to burn that up. I mean, uh, you don't want to become emaciated, do you? Yeah, but see, that's the thing, though, is how much are people actually consuming and how much of that food? And then here's the bigger issue is if you start to consume less as a person, all that food that's in the grocery stores that's been built up after years upon years upon years of saying we need to double stock on this because this is our bestseller starts to go to waste and then it gets thrown out and then it's completely wasted food. All the You know how many chickens die on Super Bowl Sunday? Mm, I can imagine quite a lot it's like 750 million or something ridiculous like that because if you look at how many chicken wings get served on a sunday a person takes down like eight or 12 before they're done now two of those is one chicken just realize all the waste of that but that's a very, it's a very i mean it's it's to do with the western world isn't it and, and especially you know in the 20th century under sort of american global leadership this pattern of abundant consumption of a sort of throwaway society, uh, eat, eating lots, buying more than you can eat, you know, big capitalist consumption, basically, that, that, was, that was prioritized as a thing. But now you, the interesting thing is you're starting to see as countries like China, you know, with its huge population, as they become wealthier, as their middle class expands, as China starts, you know, to have a, a, a population which is developing different food tastes, they're starting to take on Western approaches to food like because it's very trendy now for example one thing in china's gone from having one of the lowest consumption rates of coffee in the world to now one of the highest why because it's trendy all the young kids in china want to be seen with starbucks want to be seen you know drinking coffee in the western style like the americans do like the italians do like the europeans and the americans do basically but the really interesting thing is with that you know they're they're sort of sitting on their espressos but it's causing them huge because they look cool but it's also causing them huge gastrointestinal problems they're running to the toilet after they have their shot of dark coffee because their system can't cope with it so again it's to do a lot of this comes back to i suppose you raised earlier like epigenetics and different groups and what you historically it's going to take them generations to adapt to that at the moment it's giving them all diarrhea but at least they look cool <laughs> that's all that's the only thing that matters is looking cool especially when you're having diarrhea you can look cool and have diarrhea right cool so it's, it's interesting because I like to look at the long haul of things. The long haul is what's the fix to be able to consume less and not waste as much food and not have this massive industrial slaughter that's going on. So, Peter, if you're listening, take notes. I think it's a factor of you have to start worrying about the long game. And the long game is trying to tra- transition people from using less. And that starts with implementing other factors. And you're not just going to be like the vegans. And this is where I get into an issue with them is where they say, you got to stop eating meat. You got to stop the stop, stop. It's, it's, we have built this system for generations upon generations to run off eating meat. It's not going to just stop. It's going to be a long haul. So let's try and find ways to slowly reduce our consumption till we get to a point where we don't have to use it as a priority anymore. Eventually, it's going to change. For instance, nobody talks about the issue with plastics. The fertility count in people has went from 97% in 19. 
think 83 or 64 or something like that to now the percentage in 2011 last time they was it was checked is now at 43%. It's almost dropped 50 something percent. It's becoming major fertility issues from our use of plastics. Plastics aren't everything that we drink out of, everything that we use in our shampoo bottles, just that little bit. They talk about don't drinking uh, don't drink a bottle of water that's been sitting in a hot car cuz you can get cancer. Plastics. It's now not affecting us in this lifetime, so a lot of people don't care about it, but it's going to start affecting future generations to a point where we reach an area of infertility. Singapore, for instance, they're paying people there to have more than one kid, but it's so fucking hard because their civilization or their community has been built like they're ramped up to 10 compared to maybe us or the United Kingdom that is ramped up to like six. You know, we're at a level six. They're at a level 10 because everything they consume is involved with that type of product because it works. It's cheap. It's valuable. Same thing with food. Meat's cheap. Meat's easy to produce because we built a system that can do that. Well, let's turn the tables. Let's not talk about cutting it off. And it's like a, a, a crackhead. You don't just say, I'm going to take your crack from you. You say, we're going to wean you off so you don't kill yourself with a amount of withdrawal. Yeah, we're going to give you some methadone and, and manage that. Yeah, exactly. Because you, you can't just turn off the tap. Like you say, civilizations and cultures are based upon consumption habits. And um, while I agree with the vegans that the best thing is to, to stop eating meat. But, I don't well, even eat meat. I eat fish. But it's not even for, for your personal health reasons. It's also the planet. You know, think about the amount of gas that comes out of uh, the, the rear end of a cow that's not the meat, only meat factor though i hate that people meat, bring that meat, up meat, but that is big i know it's not the only thing big, but it is a big thing behind red meat is is methane you know but i i do agree with you in the sense that um you can't just tell people right stop i mean for for instance and this is where government yeah the the thing is governments have to get their messaging right on this stuff right so for example in the uk the government guideline on how much fruit and veg you should consume per day is five a day, five pieces of fruit or vegetable per day. And you go to other countries in Europe, it's like, I think in France, it's seven, in Germany, it's nine. It's completely different. But the reason it is different is because you have different cultures of consumption. People in, in the UK, because it's it's cold and wet, basically, the climate plays a big reason, don't, don't actually eat that much fruit and veg. So you can't suddenly tell them that you must eat and pieces of fruit and veg a day you have to come to a happy medium like say five like they do but then sometimes they get it wrong for instance the previous chief medical officer of the uk she came out and said um don't drink any alcohol any alcohol consumption is not safe right now she may well be right but i think public health is different to personal health you can't tell people in a society in a culture which is very much based around the consumption of alcohol don't drink anything because people won't won't listen if you say to them drink you know, a certain number of units a week, I think that's more sensible because then you gradually manage the situation. If you tell people, stop immediately, a lot of the time people just say, oh, well, it's going to kill me anyway. So, so what's the problem? So it has to be sensible messaging. You can't just tell people, full stop, don't do this. And people hate being told that anyway. Well, I'll point back to an episode where I was listening with Alex Jones, for instance, and I started having, I had a brief moment after listening to this one podcast with him where I went on a climate controlled denialism type thing. I believe it's real and it obviously is real, but it's the fact of the way the media also purportuates it. The media wants you to act as if you're at the red line and the world's about to end tomorrow. That's with anything. We saw it with the pandemic. It made it seem like you're, it was going to be like a Thanos snap. We're about to lose half the people we ever knew. 
and you realize it's not like that. The thing is, they want you to act quick. And the only time people ever act on anything is when they realize they're past being able to fix themselves medically wise. You don't ever really care about going to the doctor until they find out you have some type of cancer or something that they can't fix. And you're like, oh my God, what do I got to do? I'll do everything that you want me to do. No, it's too late. We've already passed that point. The way that they get you to act is by overreacting to something. So you don't underreact and take it this way. That's why a lot of people, when a storm comes, go, I've lived here 40 years. I've never seen anything like that happen before. I'm okay here. And you realize it's not going to be that bad, but they'd rather be overdramatic than undersell. And then you end up hurting a lot of people or something happens. Same thing with the food industry. Same thing with medical stuff. Same thing with anything that involves into our society. You got to understand, you got to be real with people. People are tired of being lied to and they're going to take everything. And especially the weird part is when a weather storm comes and you overreact, people panic. But when you overreact about the food thing, people don't give a shit. Because that's already in the basis of their life. So much of their life is based on the things that they do. People don't like breaking out of their routines. And if you can tell them they can't have four snack packs a day, they're going to be fucking pissed. But you see, the thing is, like for, for something with COVID, right? If you're, if you're a government in any country, the, the basically, yeah, I, 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 I do classes with students online, right? And you know, these, these guys are 18 to 21 years old. And through the stages of the pandemic, at certain points, some of them, have been really scared, really, really scared because they're told by the government, told by the media, like, just like stay inside, don't go out, that kind of stuff. Now, I'm not denying that public health message per se, but I said to them, I said, guys, quite frankly, you know, you should obey the rules. Yeah. But at the same time, your age and your profile, you're more likely to die of suicide than you are of COVID. Okay? <laughs> Careful. And That's what Joe Rogan said and Tucker Carlson lit him the fuck up. <laughs> Well, I mean, yeah, but that, that, is, that is actually true. I'm not saying that you, I think- No, you're, Gerald, you're right. I agree with you 100%. Shouldn't get, shouldn't get vaccinated. No, I don't agree with that. I think everyone should be vaccinated. Because the point is, it's to protect health service, to protect the health service of the country from collapsing like it's done in Brazil and India. Yeah. So that's the bigger point. It's you know, a different argument than not taking right. a vaccine. It's a, if, if you're young like me, you're probably not going to be at risk of getting COVID. I had a dentist that got COVID and he called me telling me he had COVID and he had his hands in my mouth and I never got it. You know, there's risk factors at play, depending on what you eat, depending on how much sunlight you get, all these other things at play. So I, I understand where you're coming from. But yeah, I, but at the same time, you, I think government should be straight with people and say, look, if you're young, there's, there's very little chance you're actually going to die of this, but you need to obey the rules because if you don't, the public health system is going to be overwhelmed. And I mean, then you'll literally have people dying in the street like in India, et cetera. So if they actually said to people, that's why we're doing this, to protect mostly the older people and the health service from getting overwhelmed, I think people would have a bit more respect than being constantly told, you know, this thing will kill you if you, if you go out your front door, which really, if you're, if you're young, it, it won't, you know? Uh, so I think sometimes they need to be a little bit more transparent, perhaps, in terms of the, in terms of the message that's coming across. Well, they only want to tell you what they think that you should know. And sadly, what they think you should know is never really what you want to know or never really what you should be knowing. They give you a little bit. And sometimes that little bit is not exactly the, the right things to be giving out to people. Like, for instance, with aliens, if they were just honest about the alien shit like they're doing now where they're trying to get people's attention on this alien thing. Back two years ago, almost, we were trying to storm Area 51 to be able to figure out if aliens existed. It's like I get it. Some people can't handle it, but 
there's you got to find an even playing field here and people rather either they want you scared or they want you compliant and i consider them both kind of the same thing in the way that the government runs but i get it it's for the health of the nation trying to get us back on track but you're not going to restore faith in people you're going to create more conspiracy people when you start lying to them and then the information comes out later it's the biggest issue right now with all these like now for instance fauci denied all the wuhan lab type shit then the headline t- on today's news over here was that they, they're now dismissing the, the fact that they dismissed the Wuhan lab. They're looking into it now. And I'm like, no shit. Like, come on. What the fuck are we doing? The thing, the thing with that is, I think that pandemics are likely, and they have been likely for a long time globally, because of and it comes back to the food system and the way that food is processed and kept and livestock, animals are kept. And that contagion from animal to humans, which we know is the case with, with COVID. So I think that pandemics are going to happen. At the same time, would I rule out that this was you know, accidentally released from a lab? I wouldn't rule that out at all, actually. In fact, if I was to believe any of the so-called conspiracy theories about this, that would probably be the, the number one that I would believe is credible. I'm not saying it happened, but it, it's, I think it's at least a, a credible idea. Well, the interesting thing is the way that people will come across information and then they'll be brainwashed into that side or this side instead of being open to all realms of interpretation. I think it was Socrates that said it best was uh, knowing nothing or admit that you know nothing to really truly understand everything. You know, there's a factor in understanding that is when you make a conclusion on something, you say, this is it. Nobody can convince myself, especially for me learning through the podcast, talking to so many people of different perspectives. I don't think anything is true. I think everything is open to the uh, its own interpretation. It's all about trying to understand how that person views it. And uh, I think it was Rand Paul called Fauci out saying that you're funding the lab research. And then he denied it on national television. And then it now has come out that Fauci did supply a lot of research for studying coronaviruses and things of this sort. And I'm like, guys, if anything, my thought is they were already researching it. And then we wanted to piggyback the research so we could be like, we'll fund you a little bit of money so we can get some of that research too. Cause they were on to something. But like I said, even saying the that- thing is you gotta, you gotta be careful, Robbie, with the, the, the idea of the relativity of truth. I, I, I agree with you in a sense, but you've got to be a little bit careful with that because if, if you say that, uh, I, I believe you're quite right. Everything is determined by context. Everything is relative. The idea of a core, objective, noble truth is very elusive, and it's, as Oscar Wilde said, rarely pure and never simple, the truth. However, if you start saying that everything is relative and there is no truth at all, then you start to go down the line, ultimately get to stuff like Holocaust denial, you know? That's where you ultimately end up. If you start saying not there's no truth at all, everything is relative, then you start going down some rabbit holes start to appear i think if you start if you follow that line too much that, as a historian that uh, we've always got to ask ourselves like, you know is there an objective noble truth and there has to be a core of truth because otherwise what's the point we're just making up stories we're just making up bullshit i think my point was trying to make the fact that if you slowly or tell someone that they're an idiot and dismiss them for saying that the holocaust didn't exist you close off the realm for them to be able to understand why it did exist
you know, to for them to be able to see facts. See, when you talk to someone from a, a lower standpoint or you talk to someone from a higher point of view when you consider them lower, you're not really teaching. You're not really helping educate. You're not really giving the chance for understanding to come through. And I think that's the biggest issue is that people come off with these high notions that they're better and they know more than you. And I'm just saying, admit that you know as much as the next person, and then you open up the realm for an even playing field for conversation. Yeah, because that alienates people, you're right. Uh, and th it's anti-scientific as well, because, you know, science is a process of, you know, there's, you know, not, nothing is ever 100% novel in science. It's a constant revision of, of, of theses, theses, isn't it? So uh, I agree with you on that one. But at the same time, you know, do I, uh, you know, would I spend a lot of my time listening to someone who told me the earth was fat? I have. I have. It's interesting. You got to understand their point because it's funny because a buddy of mine is a flat earth person. And he told me, he goes, you're the only person I can talk to about this without like, cause so many people who say I'm an idiot or say this, even though there's many people in his social group that say he's right. And they agree with him. I'm like, yeah, because I I'm going to listen to you talk, even though I might not agree. Well, yes. And that's the why people believe that that's interesting in itself. But am I going to agree with someone? I mean, I had a guy over here. He was doing some work on, on the house and he was a flat earther. And we spent about one hour having a debate about what I was saying. You know, how can you explain all this scientific fact? You know, the earth is not flat. And he had an answer for everything. And did he convince me? Hell no. But did I respect or well, not respect, but was he interested in how he come to that conclusion? Absolutely. So I think it's, it's fascinating how people come to these, what I think are delusions. But yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't totally dismiss people straight off. I mean, it's fascinating. He had some fascinating theories, all completely wrong. Uh, I, I, I missed that. But, but um, that's yeah, important right. that you gave someone the time to be able to do that because so many people just want to say no to a person and completely object them out of their life. Like a lot of people that are flat earthers will do to people that aren't flat earthers. It's like, just find the level playing field, hear each other out. You don't have to agree, but just that understanding, that compassion, that little door of open conversation and open platform makes it so much easier to be able to survive with each other. Yeah. It's, it's so easy. On, on, on the issue of conspiracies, I'm really interested to hear. From, from obviously you're over there in the states because we've just had you see all this news about suddenly the pentagon is saying ufos are real and uh why do you think why now why are they emitting this stuff now it's called watching this hand while the other hand's doing something else if you notice like during during the coronavirus thing during the pandemic at the midst of it they released that they're um in the covid bill the extraterrestrial things nobody gave a shit about aliens at that point they were trying to figure out how to get toilet paper and all these things i'm like dude if you're gonna release shit about aliens the best time to do so is when there's everyone's worried about something that's affecting their life right in front of them not something that's from another thing i've talked to plenty of people that have had alien experiences who have never met each other and they've both described the same exact thing and I'm like, in the same exact way, even though a lot of these famous for, ones for you, up, up the arse. The, no, 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 no. It's, no. it's, it's more like you see, um, like three lights in the sky in the shape of like a triangle, like in it, like you see one light, three light, like in the corners of a triangle. And then when they would move, the lights wouldn't move, but they would see a dimension, like how you're looking at my hand, they would start seeing this thing, like they had conquered two dimensional or something like that. And I'm like, all these flying UFOs and all the stuff that they're releasing now, why the hell wouldn't you get your mind off the fact that this fucking world, the government is so political corruption. It's in the eye of everything right now. Social media has exposed it more than it's ever been exposed before. The fact that people are worried about conspiracies with vaccines and all this type of stuff. 
release the alien shit because then people are more than willing to get a shot in their arm knowing that there's a higher being out there that's watching over them. It's all a fear aspect. It's all trying to well, get people distracted. Yeah, again, historically, like the, the big sort of, you know, the 1950s, uh, you know, the Red Scare, that's the sort of typical, you know, Area 51, Roswell. That's when you think of, that's clearly where UFOs are mingled with uh, a, a state-sponsored project in fear, essentially. However, like now, are people sort of excited about the prospect of higher beings or are they actually scared about the little green men coming from their flying saucers? Are people that, how have people reacted over there? Are they scared or excited? I, I can't sort of gauge it. Um, I, I think more people are worried about the coronavirus. I don't think anybody really cares about the whole alien things unless you've been spouting off alien stuff for a long time. Now you're like, why is nobody giving a shit? It's like, because there's a fucking pandemic we're dealing with. But I told you so. I told you. <laughs> do you think aliens exist or do you think it's all like a ploy? I don't think that it is um, unbelievable or incredible that there are other forms of existence. Uh, absolutely not. And I wouldn't. I wouldn't write it off at all. I remember having when I was in uh, university, uh, maybe twenty twenty one, and this um, quite eminent professor who was real crazy, real. Uh, or I shouldn't use that terminology. He was very eccentric, English guy, very, very clever to the extent where he'd been arrested for reading whilst driving. This guy, um, but he was a professor of history, so real, you know, eccentric guy. And I remember him saying in one of our seminars, he just went off on this mad tangent, as very intelligent people do, about how he, he firmly believed aliens existed. At the time, I was like, what? what's this guy talking about? But um, if you stop to think about it, it's it's not beyond the realms of belief whatsoever, is it? The other life, life forms are out there. I think when you start to think that you're the only beings alive in this universe and don't look at it from a bigger point of view, but like I said, that gets hard with flat earth people because they don't really understand the full scope of this earth, I would say. So then when you start talking about aliens on another planet, you go, eh, I don't know. I, I don't even think we've even, I see then that get leads into the moon landing and I'm not diving down that rabbit hole because I think we landed there, <laughs> but I don't think we landed there when we said we landed there, but I don't know. You don't think it was um, done in a Hollywood studio, uh, Directed by, uh, what was his name? Isn't this the big myth that it was directed by, um, oh, who did The Shining and all that stuff? What's his name? I know who Stanley you're talking Kubrick, about. Apparently. Yeah, I don't believe. Stanley Kubrick is the, I don't is the director. Know. I don't believe all those details, but I believe that it was like the video that was released. I believe that was filmed. But I think it was all of a ploy of propaganda on an aspect of we were really hurting at that moment during the war. You know, it seemed like we were going to lose and the nation needed something to believe in in the space race. This idea that like if we show these people that we land here, it not only shows our enemies that we can do something faster than they can, but it also shows the people that you can have hope in us. We're going to do amazing things. And then we ended up going up there later, just not when we said. But I don't know, because Buzz Aldrin has said a lot of shit. And everything Buzz Aldrin has said has came fucking true. He said there was what, water. What did, what did he say? He said there was water on the moon. He said there's water on the moon and there's an obelisk on Mars. And we found them both. And I'm like, motherfucker was saying it for 70 something years. You can't just dismiss them now. That's a great video. Uh, I, somebody showed this to me the other day. It's about 10 years old, but it's actually, did he die? Buzz Aldrin recently? Or is he still so. alive? I can't remember. He's anyway, still alive. There's, there's a video of him about 10 years. No, it was Michael Collins who died recently, the guy who stayed in the spacecraft while, while uh, the other lads were out there. But uh, Buzz Aldrin 
there was a great video of him. Uh, it's about 10 years old, and there's a guy who confronts him in the street, tries to like doorstep him in the way that is normal these, normalized these days, because everyone's got a phone now, everyone's a journalist in inverted commas. And this guy's saying, the moon landing was a hoax, and you know it's a hoax, and you, you, your, your, your life is built in a tissue of lies. And Basulja just turned around and smacked him in the face mm. and just floored the guy. And it was um, quite amusing to see. It was a, a sort of direct response um, to this sort of, you know, highly charged sort of conspiratorial stuff. Um, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, when you think about that, you think about the possibilities of exploration, Mars, I mean, fascinating stuff. I see. I just think that a lot of it is for initial good intent. But then when you start going down this thing that, you know, if you would have told me 50 or if you would have told people 50 years ago, I remember talking to my grandfather about this. I was like, do you know what, do you know what Bryce, do you know what Bohemian Grove is? Bohemian what? Sorry. Bohemian Grove. No. God damn it. Um, my I'm example sorry. Just, just ruined my whole fucking setup. Um, uh, so the way I'm going to explain this is going to sound nuts to you. Just like, all right. So imagine you're my grandfather and I'm telling you this. So okay. you're picture yourself, 70 year old man. Yeah. And you've known, you fought for your country. You've done all these things. And I tell you that there's a giant statue of an owl named Moloch and a bunch of heads of state, people in Congress that are praying in front of this thing, in front of a fire, you would go, that sounds fucking insane. Yeah. Until that information came out last year. And there was videos of these giant heads of state, people that run our government in the states that were praying in front of this giant statue of an owl burning a wood effigy in front of a statue named Moloch. Sounds fucking nuts, but it's real shit that actually happened. You know, Jeffrey Epstein. The pedophile. Yes. Okay. All that information and documentaries come out. All that crazy shit. He was yeah. Bill, there's pictures of Bill Clinton in uh, like extravagant, sexy, like naked wear paintings of it. But, but you know, like this, this stuff, I, I do, I believe that the world is effectively run by a fairly small cabal of the ultra wealthy uh, who are, who are, in, who are interested in their own greed and just becoming more greedy and pulling up the drawbridge to everyone else. Absolutely. I believe that. Do I believe that there's some kind of, that they represent some kind of elite globalist cult that is uh, manipulating everything from the weather to pandemics. No, no, do I, I don't believe that, the weather and pandemic thing, but do, I believe we, the like the do, the. do I believe that there are a bunch of like sexually, you know, amongst the globally rich, there are you know sexually depraved clubs basically for very rich men. Absolutely, which is what Epstein was, and you know, obviously like Prince Andrew from the royal family here has been implicated in that. And yeah, I mean, they, they are depraved, ultra rich men. Are they orchestrating world governance? Mm, you know, I don't know. I'm, somebody, a friend of mine the other day, Samuel, about Bill Gates and the Epstein connection. And, uh, you know, again, a complete, you know, do, do very wealthy men act in very bad ways and try to manipulate people for their own greed and self-interest? Absolutely believe that. But then he was sort of implying that Epstein and Bill Gates were sort of running some sort of covert world government what i do um, with any of these conspiracy things is i draw a line at some of the information they say it's like with alex jones when i listen to him i take everything he says i stop pause it look it up it's true but then he goes off on like something like this 
this was all a scam and all this type of stuff. Aliens are real. And you're like, all right, that stuff came true. And then he says something like, and the earth is flat. And you're like, that's where you got to cut them off. That's where you got to draw the line and say, that's the bullshit because they go a little bit too far with it. Some of it, there's a core and riddled with a little bit of truth. And there's a little bit of bullshit on top of it. Well, and that's absolutely. what it, this well, is the thing that, but there's a core of truth. There is like the guy who came over to, to, to lay my carpet. And he was one of his theories, uh, along with, you know, the earth was flat is that, um, he was talking about again which stuff which is quite true like how there is like a wealthy elite who you know basically you know run the world effectively i i, I don't deny that that's true but then he starts going on about how there's a conspiracy of trans people uh, secret trans people he names a load of them people who are secretly trans everyone from michelle obama from him to other famous actors and, and actors and actresses and they were there was a trans conspiracy trying to take over the world now like, you know, what, how did we get from something that's quite credible to this idea that there's a trans cult that are running the world? It's 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 the leaps that I don't quite understand. Where's the logic? Where's the logic in between? You know, our people, I think what it is, is that you look at history, right? Change is happening very rapidly in the era in which we live. You think of technological change, like your, your iPhone, you know, unimaginable change is happening in the space of 20, 30 years. Stuff like trans rights, things like this. Things happen, like you were saying earlier, very quickly and very rapidly. And people don't like that. People like continuity and safety. They don't like being confronted with huge change in their life. And I think the way some people process that is to turn it into a, this must be a conspiracy. This must be, you know, a, a group of people manipulating all of us. It's all live, Bryce. You're not in front of me right now talking to me. <laughs> you got to Google Bohemian Grove when we get done with this, because you'll be like, holy Bohemian shit. Grove. I've heard of Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen. It's called Bohemian Grove because, like, people like it. Like, my point was if I would have told you that 50 years ago, like I said it to my grandfather, he would have thought I was batshit nuts. And then now it's came out that it's true. And it's very, very hard right now because with all this exposure on the government, like, um, we had a Wyoming, I think, Wyoming, um, lawmaker that's running. And he came out and said when he was 18 years old, he impregnated a 14 year old girl. And that sounds horrible, but he was open about it. And his excuse to it was, I know you're going to try and find it against me anyway. So I'm just going to bring it right out front. So you got nothing against me. That's a, that's, that's where it's at. The exposure with social media, the exposure with how much information is easily accessible onto your phone. If you do something bad and some dude admits to it openly before it all like gets in front of the train thing, should you respect him more for that? Because it's a factor of it's going to come out. They're going to find it. And when you hide it, it looks even worse. Well, yeah, that's the, you know, I've just looked up Bohemian Grove and there's, there's several camps. This is amazing. They got yeah, great names as well. Apparently, Man, Alex Man. Jones went there, and then he also ran into Danny Glover, the guy from the Lethal Weapon movies, was there too. Apparently, it's like all these famous Congress and government people that invite like anybody they want. They'll invite Brad Pitt just to have Brad Pitt there. But there, it's. No, like, I, I mean, I don't think that that's beyond. The, I mean, that, that's totally incredible. I mean, wealthy men have been doing that. For, it's basically a gentleman's club, isn't it? It's all male. But it's yeah, our Congress. It's our lawmakers. It's the people that are fucking running our government that's doing it. Not even rich oh, yeah. people. That's what's oh, weird. Oh, huge, huge issues of potential conflict of interest and corruption and all the rest. Absolutely. But that's always been the way, hasn't it? You know, you, you in Victorian I hate London, your answer. You had, you I had hate your gentlemen, answer. Gentlemen's clubs. Gentlemen's I told clubs you a minute ago. And for the audio only listeners, he looked at me like I was fucking insane. And now he's like, <laughs> well, you know what? It happens. I'm like, bullshit. <laughs> fucking pat me on the back and tell me, oh, my God, I never knew. 
I didn't get to the bit where they were worshiping a massive owl, but like, yeah, I can. There's a giant owl statue. It's this stone statue. Like, I mean, the size of a building that they're by and they're burning there. See, the issue was at the time where Q, this is around when QAnon started. The issue was that they had a small little wood effigy, like a size of a small child and they were burning it. And then people raised the question, how long was that wood and what was it before it was wood? You got to think of the old ritual ways of things that had to be a person at one point that they would do back in like the 1800s or something like that. Before even America was a thing, there was probably this type of tradition, just like Freemasonry is really, really old. You know, there's an old way with it. So that's what people were raising the point where it led to this QAnon thing where it started realizing that they're trying to find pedophiles on the Internet. Some of them probably did, but a lot of it was like, now you're thinking everyone's a pedophile on the internet, which isn't true. A lot of the times it's just bots, but it's people acting because the worst thing, the reason um, Alex Jones was talking about when he talked about Bohemian Grove was the worst thing you can do. So, so like in our government system, they want to try and have a hold over you. And the easiest way to have a hold over you is by doing something so severe that if it ever came out, it would ruin your career and you would look like the worst person in the world. And that would be messing around with kids. So that's how they get you. It's just like a fraternity. You got to do these steps to be able to be part of the group. Uh, okay. So they've always, they're always, so you can never leave because they can always blackmail you. Yeah. That's part of the deal. That's so, quite interesting. Well, a lot. that's what the Epstein thing is. A lot of the time they talked about the people that would go to Epstein Island. A lot of these people that you know they're talking about it they're like i didn't know they were that age they looked like they were older and it's like that's how they get you when they tell you did you know she was 15 did you know she was 16 no because she looked 30 like she looks so worn and so like been through so much shit she's seasoned she looked older and that's well, how I they got that, all these people that's interesting that's useless black man what i find quite disturbing these days is i mean there's a lot talked about cancel culture and i don't completely buy into it because it exists well, it does. I own it a does. fucking it, show. It, it exists. It, it 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 does for sure. But there's also some people which hide behind it to actually, you know, make pretty disgusting statements. However, uh, it's um, it's I think sometimes a bit disturbing that, that because the world of social media, you know, anyone can drag up a, a tweet that you drunkenly composed when you were 18 years old and use it to make you lose your job. It actually happened to a friend. Well. Guy I went to university with who who I don't, I'm not into gaming and stuff, but this guy, he was in so he's a gaming he's an English guy, but he's in the states at the moment. He's just been cancelled because of um, supposedly sexist comments he's he's made while while gaming while streaming. Um, his name is Jeff Leach. Um, he's he he was the voice actor for Call of Duty for some character. And again, oh I yeah, he been. they looked through some because he's he's also a comedian as well too. I heard about him. Yeah, I went to university with this guy, so I, I was kind of like somebody a friend of mine sent me this. I said, "Oh, have you seen that? Like Jeff's just been cancelled." I looked it up. I was like, "Wow!" Um, first of all, number one, I didn't realize he was relatively famous over there. Yeah, he does uh, the multiplayer voice. Yeah, because his his comedy career like fell on its arse over here. So he's fair play to him. He's carved a career over there, and I didn't actually realize you could make so much money out of being sponsored for playing computer games essentially so fair play to him i haven't spoken to the guy in years we actually used to be fairly close to university what it's called now Duty, I, bro that's a big fucking game and I, I have yeah no i have heard of it i'm just not a gamer you know but but i see what's happened to him now and i don't quite know what to think because i don't know enough about the context but i see that now suddenly he's lost all his sponsorship and uh i just and again i don't I haven't really looked into it so i'm just being in a position of ignorance but in I mean, his stand-up joke it was like if you talked about something like 
well, if you cracked a joke about like a woman or something, if you crack like, well, you're a, well, this is a man's job. It's something on that context where now they look at that like that's not okay now. It didn't translate over. You know, people couldn't take the see what happens is if you say something in a podcast episode, I might say it in a joking manner and you'd understand it's a joke. But then if someone sees the transcript for this, it comes off pretty fucking sure, bad. Sure. Um, I suppose that that's the jeopardy though. If you are, I mean, I don't know enough about this stuff, but presumably his income comes from his sponsorships and brands would always want to protect brand value they don't want anything to become damaging to that it's, so it's, it's why it's uh, in, in, the, in the movie um with uh what's his name uh the new movie on netflix i think it's called uh living dead or something like that they completely cgi'd uh crystalia out of the whole entire movie and added somebody else who did they who did they cgi out um zach snyder the guy who made justice league made um another movie on netflix a zombie movie but they cgi'd crystalia that, that comedian guy, they CGI'd him out because Wait, of did all he his... make some bad remarks or something? He was flirting with underage girls on the internet. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. But I, I just read on Twitter, though, that they Kevin Spacey has been rehired for a film role. So um, maybe yeah. there's a way back after... Um... Again, a lot of these people... I'm not, I'm not going to... you know, Defending Kevin Spacey is certainly not the hill I'm going to die on. Um, pretty despicable guy. But, um, you you know, it's like... It, it, it's this question about art and life, really, isn't it? I mean, you know, if, if we were to, and again, I'm not going to ever defend people who are pedophiles or whatever, but if we were to expunge and totally censor and just destroy any art which was created by an asshole, then believe me, there would be very little art and culture left because you, you look into many of your great heroes, literary, uh, musical, etc. back in the past, you know, I mean, not, nobody has 100% clean living and a lot of these guys were tortured creative geniuses who did some very dark things and um you can't cancel everything otherwise you're gonna be left with nothing yeah uh it's, it's weird the woke narrative or whatever that is that's going around it's designed to be this great thing but then the way that people take it they end up destroying things with wokeness things that like ruining a person's career based on an assumption that ends up not being true you know, there's a lot of things where people make allegations and say things without even knowing evidence to it all because they read a headline or a thing. Um, they had Justin Bieber. He has dreads now. And people were giving him shit, saying he was culturally appropriating dreads, and they were calling him a racist and all these things. And even Jaden Smith, Will Smith's son, commented. He was like, nice dreads, man. Like, they're good dreads. Dreads aren't culturally appropriating a certain culture. Gladiators had dreads because it's a sign of dirty hair. That's all it was back in the day was that the hair was so long, they would curl it like that. But people don't care. They just see something and they want to run off and become that it's chipping at a God, basically. Well, I'm, I'm not against like the so-called like wokeness, because if someone's coming from a position of you're informed about your history, you're informed about historical oppression and you're trying to make the world a better place. If that's woke, then fair play to you. That's not woke. Where, 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 where it becomes problematic is if it becomes pedantic or reductive or decontextualized. That, that, that's the issue, isn't it? If, that, if something that's is not woke, taken out of context. Woke is not someone that understands what's going on. Woke is not something that someone, a historian, is commenting and saying this is this. Woke is the fact that someone reads a headline article written by, like we talked about before, everybody's a fucking journalist now if you own a blog, written by some person that might hate somebody and decide that, oh, you're telling me Bryce Evans is racist? You're not. 
But somebody hears somebody writes an article like that that's slandering you just because you went to school with them and you fucking hate them or they don't like you. You guys had a feud or something. They read that and that's their information now. And they consider that fact, even though it's 100 percent not true. But someone takes that and runs with it. And that's what wokeness is, is people that feel like they're doing something that's actually in a good cause, in a good moral, but they they start reading things and they start acting upon the first headline rather than actually reading the thing. I read an article yesterday about um, it said it was it was from an Instagram comment. It was like most influencers are actually bots. And then you're like, okay, so that now it's programmed into your brain that all Instagram influencers are bots. So now it became this conspiracy that Kevin Hart is a bot. And you're like, hold on a fucking second. The man has comedy specials. What are we doing? Well, again, we come back to this issue of truth and relativity. And it's it's very hard to um, pass, you know, this world in which we live in, it's very hard to pass apart the truth from, you know, uh, untruth. Helen Keller is not real. That was on Twitter like a month ago. I'd say I'm afraid I don't even know who Helen Keller is. So, oh my so God! You call true. yourself a, a historian. Who's who's she? You gotta just Google her. Helen Keller. Okay. Yeah. I can't. I can't explain that one to you. She's a big figure. I'm surprised you don't know who that one is. That's like saying who's Hercules. It's like I, what? Well, Bohemian Grove. Uh, I'm going to go down that rabbit hole later on. It's a good one to go down. We got to be careful. Helen Keller was an American disability rights activist. Oh, what an inspiring woman. Yeah, she was blind and deaf and all these things. South Park made a really funny episode about her. It's horrible, but it's funny. She sounds like a very admirable woman. But what, yeah. people are saying she's not real? Yeah, like they thought that, which if you look in their perspective, you can see like, imagine if I told you a story about a woman that accomplished so much who was completely blind, deaf, and had all these things wrong with her, and she accomplished so much, then you don't really have an excuse to be a piece of shit. You know what I mean? But sadly... You know, she was real. But people said uh, Charlie – people said Helen Keller was racist because there was a picture of her and Charlie Chaplin together, and Charlie Chaplin had the Hitler mustache. So, like, people – That like, was from the film The, the Great Dictator, wasn't it? He, 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 that's he the thing is it, everyone it? thought that was started running off like that was Hitler. And I'm like, that's Charlie Chaplin. You, you fucking spend more than two minutes in an article, please. Problem is, I mean, I, I, if you use that term work to mean people who are permanently offended – then I agree that it's wrong. But sometimes, sometimes in the in the in the uh, so-called crusade for some people use the crusade for free speech to just be demeaning and belittling and bigoted to people. You know, I'm not saying that you know stuff should be censored or certain stuff should be off limit. But basically, if you're doing comedy, for example, I think the basic rule is that you know, in, unless you're a complete asshole, you should try and punch up. That, that's the basic rule, isn't it? You, you shouldn't really be belittling people who are below you in a way and if you're using the cloak of free speech in order to punch down rather than up sometimes that's a bit problematic because that 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 is basically like you said just being an asshole isn't it yeah but in comedy punches down sometimes too yeah sure but sam kinnison had the best joke about uh, starving people in africa yeah, you see, like it's, but sometimes it's just like, God, he said, you, know, you complain about starving because you see where you fucking live. You see this? It's sand. You know, it's going to be here in a hundred years. Fucking sand. Get your shit and get out. Like that was the whole joke. It's you got to understand is that it's people take things out of context. Woke started as this amazing thing that was going to change a lot of important things that needed to be changed. But woke but initially what, meant that you were, you, you were someone who was woke alert, right? alert to. Yes. 
the reality of oppression. And That's what it used to be. It's not, yeah. it's not that anymore. It's now this thing of every, anytime you see something, you run with it and you consider that this person is a racist. This person is this, you make an assumption that isn't true. Nobody wants to sort, sort and find the facts anymore. It's called running with the first headline. Everything that initially starts that ends up turning bad. It's like the Batman quote, you either die as yourself as the hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain that's the thing is that it ends up diluting into this thing where now you people are just going to point things without any information anything like that it happens with everything everything would you like would you like me to to make a um a woke point about batman uh batman should be cancelled because uh he's a guy right who hangs around with what an under an underage boy uh robin (laughs) no he he hangs around with his butler he makes him dress up in tights and uh, he dresses up in tights. Maybe he's a he, schizophrenic. He makes his butler wear a butler's uniform 24-7. That's weird enough in itself. You're um, telling me none of the people in royalty over there wear these fancy royalty outfits? I'm, all I'm asking is, did Batman ever visit Epstein Island? I, I don't believe <laughs> That's a conspiracy theory. Someone's going to clip right to the end of this and hear that, and they're going to run with it. I heard from a historian that <laughs> Batman was on Epstein Island. I don't know, man. It's the world's crazy. I just don't want people pointing pitchforks and all these things at each other. We shouldn't be fighting each other. We should be trying to find a way to build up together. It's going to be a better world if we can be able to figure that out. But the idea of a utopia in my mind is impossible. There's always going to need to be conflict, but trying to find a bigger enemy. And that's why I like the alien thing. People can get behind that another extraterrestrial being is down here to hurt them. The people will come together just like with the pandemic. They will team up together to be able to help each other to get over this crazy thing that we cannot see. And we, it's very hard for us to fight. I, for one, welcome our new alien overlords. Uh, I think they might do a much better job than um, current to, um, heads the blinking, The blinking sideways, the reptilians, the blinking sideways. <laughs> I don't think it's like that, but I mean, that'd be cool. I wish I could blink sideways. Oh, the lizard people. Yeah, lizard. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yes, of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was another one that my, my the guy told me about. Actually. Yeah, eating puppies. People. Yeah. 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 Um, it's fascinating. What some people Happy do. to have you on the show again, Bryce. It's been an absolute pleasure, Robbie. Great talking to you as ever. <laughs> Where and, can uh, our people find your book again? Food and Aviation in the 20th Century, coming out in October on paperback. A lot more affordable. All good stockists online. Give it a give it a Google or whatever search engine you use. And uh, wait, coming out this October? It's already out, but it's hardback, so it's expensive because they want live university libraries to buy it. But this October, the paperback's coming out, and it's going to be cheap. When so it, the man, the common man, can read about airline foods finally. When it comes closer to that day, we should have you on to read an excerpt from your book. I would any opportunity, like I say, I'm always available for shameless self promotion <laughs> anytime, Robbie. As long as we can talk about conspiracies for a little oh, bit. always, always. And how about Batman? Yeah, just like all I'm saying is like examine the evidence, hanging around with a little boy, uh, giving so rechristening him, making him hang out in a cave, wear tights. So, you know, I'd rather say to- Tom Holland was involved in the Epstein thing rather than <sighs> who knows. Actually, do you know who, who's Tom Holland? Can I look him up? Yeah. Or do you want to wrap this Actually, up? go to my hang Twitter. On. Go to my Twitter real quick. Yeah, hang on. I'm going to your Twitter. Oh, blank. Yeah. Okay, go now scroll down until you see a photo of me and Tom Holland. There's a picture of an egg. You're talking about bacon egg sandwich. Well, that's my tweet about eggs. Tom Holland. Um 
Oh, that guy, that actor, he's an actor, yeah. My goodness, you're him. <laughs> wow. Someone wow. called me the working man's Tom Holland, which means I shuck bales of hay into a truck. I like that. You're the blue color Tom Holland. You're the Springsteen version of Tom Holland. Who, who is, he's like, like a Hollywood actor, isn't he, Tom Holland? Yeah. yeah, he's from the UK too. Is he? Yeah. Yeah, I think I think I know this. He plays Spider Man in the new stuff. That's right. Yeah, of course I've seen him before. Yeah, you do resemble him, or he resembles you, I should say. Thank you, thank you for that. I'm going to end on that one. This has been a great podcast, Bryce. We're going to make sure we link the books in the description, and people can see the paperback when it comes out in October. Then we're going to have you on to read an excerpt from your book while you also read me a bedtime story as well. To three little pigs. I would love to on my rocking chair by a roaring fire.